Hello friends. In today's episode of the Women of All podcast, we will hear about a different kind of retirement. Susan W. Green, retired banker turned author, will give us a view into her definition of retirement, which includes being a mentor and author, in addition to other activities. Hello, you're listening to the Women of All Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of All podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. We have a treat in store for us today. Our guest is Susan Green. I'm going to let Susan share with us who she is and what she does. Susan, welcome to Women of All Podcast. Thank you, Adrian. I am really excited to be here today. I looked at some of the other podcasts um, that you had done with some women, and I the first thing that came to mind is all is the right word, uh, but I would add awesome um, to the end of your acronym because they were just amazing and just very diverse in their backgrounds. Um, so thank you for having me. So I would describe myself as a 35 year plus uh, career banker. I worked in different types of banking and I was, that's what I was. I was a banker, mainly on the operation side. So I was the COO of a, of a bank. The last 10 years I spent working for a digital online, online only bank. And that's what I was known for. So when I started talking about retirement, people didn't think I could retire. I worked 60 or 70 hours a week. I traveled a lot. And so I needed a game plan. And my game plan was to fill out my bucket list of things I wanted to do in my retirement. And I wanted to write a book, but people were surprised. They thought I would write a leadership book when I published a romance novel that you can see on my shelf. Because what happened? The pandemic happened and I think attitudes changed and what we felt we needed changed and I wanted a happy ending and writing a leadership book was not about a happy ending. So I created a fictional town and some characters and I created a book that has a happy ending. And so, you know, that's a big part of what I've been working on the last year, but also um, of note. I've been working a lot with the underserved community, both with entrepreneurs, startups, and I chair a board of a large charity in Philadelphia that services at-risk kids. And so that's kind of been my life over the last three years since retirement, totally different than if you'd asked me where I was six years ago, this is what I'd be doing today, probably would have chuckled a little, but I am having the best time of my life. And it's interesting that my experience is really helpful to others. And I don't think we always realize that. We think, oh, I'm just a normal everyday person. How can I help? But I've been mentoring for years and years and I still continue to mentor women. And I find that my experiences coming up through the ranks as a woman in banking has helped not only other women coming up the ranks in all types of arenas, but the underserved entrepreneurs that I'm helping um, I, they, they also look back and say, you know, how did you get where you're at? And I started at the bottom. So I didn't come right out of some MBA program and walk right into the C-suite. 
<laughs> it is rather fascinating that you moved from being a banker to an author and now you're mentoring underserved. Let's talk a little bit about your mentoring or working with the underserved community. How do you make that connection with them? Yeah, that's, that's really an interesting story in itself. So I live about five miles from the University of Delaware and that's not my alma mater. My alma mater, gotta give them their plug, Alvernia <laughs> University in Reading. Um, but I'm so close to the University of Delaware and there is a connection between my former employer, which at the time was called MBNA America, which is uh, now Bank of America and the university. So Horn Entrepreneur Center, and the um, Alfred Lerner uh, School of Business and Economics. So some of my old business associates said, hey, we're looking for some help with this program. We know you did a lot of mentoring through the years. We'd love you to join us. So I said, let me come and find out about the program. So I did, I picked up mentor. I'm now on year number eight of mentoring with them. So it started before I retired. And I thought, oh, this is good. I like to help these young women and give them a leg up. Because um, when I was started, we didn't have mentor mentors back when I started in business. And if you learn something, you were learning it. Like, how, how did that happen? How did she do that? Let me yeah. find out. Let me listen through the yeah. grapevine. Uh, happenstance. But now there is an official way for young women to find out how you know, to jumpstart their career. And I've really enjoyed it. And I do mentoring at Alvernia also in their women's program. And I went to um, a meeting about young entrepreneurs at the University of Delaware. And they have a new program at their entrepreneur startup village. And they said, hey, would you provide some advisement? It's all pro bono, not a lot of time involved. We have a center before pandemic. You'll book some office hours and people will sign up and you can just sit there and they'll come to you. It's like, oh. What could be easier? <laughs> and I did that. And I met some very interesting university students that, I mean, are redefining the world by their simple, it's kind of like Shark Tank, right? They have an idea, they put it together to try to figure out a new product. But this young guy walked in my office one day, his name's Gary Johnson. And Gary didn't ask anything of me. He wanted to tell me his story young black guy had to work in the dining hall work after hours to get his stuff through college and he was an entrepreneur and he wanted to help other young black students at the university get into the entrepreneur system but he was really struggling because that's historically not the path that they would take so even the students already at the university from the underserved communities they're so struggling to just get through the courses, you know, they probably are the first uh, generation to break out of, um, you know, the, the rituals that they had in the past and the routines and the history, right. uh, and they don't have the support systems. And he said, this is where we need help, Susan. We really need help. You can help the kids that come here that have professional parents. I don't begrudge them anything, but if you would just listen to the stories of some of these young kids, and so I agreed, and Gary um, was the founder of something called First Founders, which is first generation of new founders of businesses. And I went to a, a meeting with them, and I was floored. These kids, and I will I'll call them kids because they're young, <laughs> um, 
they had amazing ideas, but they didn't know what to do with them. Right. And so Gary is a phenomenon. So if you take one, anyone wants to look him up, it's Gary Johnson, first founders. He's phenomenal. And he has gone on over the last three years to get additional funding and to hook up with Delaware Prosperity Network and with Delaware State College, which is part of the historical Black university chain. Um, so he's fantastic. But that's how I got started. And I met some young kids um, in his program that had some ideas, but didn't know how to take the next step. So Gary puts them through rigorous training about what's available in Delaware and kind of helps push them along the way. And I was just there on the other end of a, at some point we went to Zoom, uh, Zoom calls um, to help them with, I need a connection with, or can you look at my business proposal? Right. Or I have to put a pitch together can you look at my pitch? I'm going to meet with people. How do I research their backgrounds to know how to hit their sweet spot when I'm talking <laughs> to them? All the things I you know, have some knowledge about. Yeah. And that's how we got started. And that just led to me being involved with other entrepreneur networks and Delaware Prosperity Network. And I became a judge for a Delaware startup called Startup 302. I met more people through that. I've met some people that are forging totally new territory with new innovations. And yet these, you know, young people outside of the entrepreneur system, yeah. they have very little support to help them with little things that come up that could actually forestall them moving forward. So I love working with them. Um, and then the company I was working, the last bank I worked with, one of our charities was in Philly and um, Northern Children's Services. And I was volunteering there and I was the executive for the site at um, Ally Bank. And that's, we were volunteering at Northern Children's Services. So I got to know the CEO and her name is uh, Renata Cobbs Fletcher, a powerhouse. And they have a teen program, teen moms that would be on the street otherwise, and they have a residential program, and we adopted that program and started working with the teen moms who have, they're in the foster system, and when you become pregnant in the foster system, you occasionally will get kicked out on the street, regrettably, mm -hmm. and this is a, a way for the young moms to have shelter, they get child class learning, they get a little stipend, um, to learn to manage their finances. And the whole gist of the program is to help them get on their feet so that when they age out of the system, which is 18 or 21, um, they have the tools they need to be a good parent and to be able to go get an apartment and to be able to sustain a life for their children and hopefully eventually get them out of the whole you know, welfare cycle um, and to move on so that their children have brighter futures. And the work at Northern just tugged at my heart. And I was, I was asked to join the board. And then I was asked to be the chair. So I'm now the chair of the board of trustees. Um, and that agency services over a thousand underserved children. They're all Medicaid uh, eligible. 97% are um, black and brown. And they come to the center they get help with homework, they get meals, they get their dinner, 
And we have an opportunity there to make a big difference and to change what's been a cycle for these kids for years. And they interact with um, young, young people from Drexel University and from other universities. And they see that you look like, I don't look like them, right. um, but they see young people who look like them who are becoming um, doctors and lawyers and who are starting businesses um, and who are becoming engineers. And they see that it's not just because someone's telling me I can do these things. I see a person who looks like me, who's doing those things. And I know that I can follow the same path. And it's so powerful, Adrian. I just couldn't help myself. So yeah, now I'm the chair of the board. <laughs> Susan, you're retired. Well, my <laughs> husband says I failed retirement, by the way. Yes, I don't know. I think people have the wrong idea about retirement. Retirement to me means I have the freedom to do what I want to do. Exactly, exactly. That sounds like what you're doing. I think it's tremendous what you're doing. You're helping all these people. Was that ever in your purview? Had you ever thought that this was something you would be doing? Not, not to this degree. So in my family, we grew up volunteering. And, after, and my mom was the big driving force behind that, always giving back in subtle ways. Um, and so over the years, after my mom passed, my sisters and I, would get together with the children and the grandchildren and we would do some type of service project and volunteering and it's just second nature for all of our family and we just started to bring in extended family um, to do volunteer work and you know it was I, it was fun and enjoyable it made us it, yes it makes us feel good right yeah. uh, to give back to others um, so I always knew I'd be doing something but the degree of which I'm doing it. No, because this just to add, when I was going to retire, my boss, uh, my old boss, who's Di Murray from Ally Bank, she's the CEO of the bank. She is a phenomenal woman and a phenomenal mentor. And I'm so fortunate to have her as my boss for the last 10 years of my career. And she said, you need a plan because you can't just go from working 60 to 70 hours a week, all the stress, hundreds of employees, and just stop because it's not healthy. So you need a plan. And here's my boss who doesn't really want me to retire saying, if you're gonna retire, I need to know you have a plan. So I had a plan, I had a small consulting company um, and I worked, my son's a consultant and he's been a consultant for years. And so I was working with him, but I was doing um, executive consulting with other bank executives who needed a little mentoring or someone on their team that they wanted to bring up through the ranks that needed a little mentoring. Um, I was working on some projects uh, with through third-party consulting firms to work with some of the big banks for some big changes that were coming up. And that was where I started. And then I would just do a little mentoring and a little bit of other work on the side to fulfill me. But as it turned out, three years later, I'm doing almost no consulting because it's really just more work. Yeah, yes. it's like you said, Adrian. It's it's work at the time that person wants me to do it at at the level they want, um, and so it's really restricting my ability to do where my passion was. And so I'm very restricted uh, in what I will take on from a consult a paid consulting. But I'm fortunate that uh, my husband is very supportive, and you know we live a we moved down the country in preparation for 
retirement and we live a very simple life and I can afford not to have to do the paid consulting, which gives me the time to really focus on what I want to do now, which is giving back to the community. And I, well, so I've been told I'm fairly good at writing, which is also another surprise. Um, so I'm doing now the things that I, I want to do. I love it because like I said, that's what I feel you should be doing at this point in your life. Now that you've just brought up the book again, let's talk a little bit about your book. Can you tell us about it and what made that come into your head to write this book? Yeah, that, that's really interesting also. I retired in September of 2018. And again, I was doing consulting work just part-time. And I was thinking maybe I'd write a leadership book. I have a lot of leadership books up on my bookcases. It was always something was encouraged. Um, my former employer always sent us to a lot of leadership classes and kept us up on the latest trends. So I thought, oh, I could, I could probably write a leadership book. And I sat down to kind of put some notes on paper. And I was like, this is like work. I mean, thank goodness for the people who write leadership books, but it just wasn't my, you know, it wasn't flirting my boat to, you know, an old acronym. So I'm flirting my boat. So um, I decided I love romance novels, but just the clean, wholesome, happy ever after. So let me see. I sat down and I wrote two chapters and said, I'm an operations person by heart. I need to understand the nuts and bolts of how this really works. So I looked around for a class and I saw one at the local community college and it was virtual. I took that, that was with Michelle and it was how to write and publish a book. And it was eye-opening that there is, besides the whole, whatever you think is behind a romance author, there is this whole nuts and bolts about how to write. You write, you create characters, you write an outline, you start with a synopsis, there's a process. For my operational mind, that was like, oh, this is fantastic. So I went to her class and I was learning and I wrote a couple, I rewrote the first two chapters of my book with the new knowledge I had. And I gave them to her and she was like, these are pretty good. I think you might have something here. Why don't you try to flush it out over the course of the six weeks we met every Saturday for three hours and I might be the first person that graduated from her master class that actually got my book out published there were uh, 15 to start there were probably about eight people who had really good stories to tell but I decided to self-publish through Amazon and that allowed me to get my book out faster because for me I don't need the business of writing but I want the pleasure of writing. Yeah. So I decided to go the Amazon route. So I wrote my book in about four and a half months, but it took another six to get through all the rewrites. I can't, I, I read this book so many times, I could probably tell you what page everything is on, which was not the most fun, uh, that part of it, but I found some really good proofreaders. And then you have to create a book cover and then you have to format it to get it into the Amazon system. And you know, you have to wait for a release date and there's a lot of stuff, little tasks that have to be done. And then you have to market. So I have yeah. a Facebook page and a website. So it was just a lot, but the story itself, if I could just, you know, do my little um, synopsis, it's um, a Cassidy Taylor. She's in her mid thirties. She owns an inn. Um, she's always wanted to own an inn and she found one that was falling apart. 
I created a fictitious town in Maine called Lakeview. And she, uh, and the lake there is called Crystal Lake, which is fictitious. Uh, even though there are Crystal Lakes, it's, there's not one in this area of Maine where I push, uh, put the setting. And she buys it and, and fixes it up. Um, and it's finally a success. She worked night and day for about five years and she has um, two gal pals and they're very different and very distinctive. So it's the three of them um, and they, their lives are full. They have their professional lives. They um, have their friends. They enjoy a good cup of coffee at the local coffee shop um, and they're happy. They don't need anything else or do they? Hmm. Her mother's always trying to fix her up. Her friends are trying to fix her up. Um, and so uh, enters Jack. And Jack Burnett is, the, is a, um, a bestseller author from New York. And he's having a mental block, a writer's block. And his publisher says, you either finish this book, which is past due, which is the third in a series, or your contract is in jeopardy. And so all the notoriety of his first two bestsellers, he just he lost the train of thought about his book. He was really struggling. So he had to go find a quiet place. He went online and he found this inn in Maine that boasts relaxing lake views, quiet setting. He books a room and he ends up at Crystal Lake. So what I like about the book is that there's, a, there's romance obviously, right. but there's a little bit of mystery because Jack doesn't tell them who he is because he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. And so because of that, and he's a spy novelist, um, you know, Cassidy and her girl pals, they overhear some bits and pieces of conversations. So they think maybe he's a spy or something odd, some odd profession. Uh, and then um, they have to get over that and get through that that Cassidy and Jack help find. All of that happens. So there's a little mystery, a little humor. Book number two is outlined, which will be about one of the other gal pals. And also that'll come out probably in March or April. And then next year in October, I want to put out Crystal Lake Christmas. So that'll be the three in the series. And then I'll look to write something a little different, but it's been fun so far. I've sold, I, I launched August 10th. I've sold several hundred books already and all the reviews have been just warmed my heart and more than I thought. And I've done some book signings and people bring their books for me to sign or they buy a book. I'm My books in, besides Amazon, it's at about seven or eight um, local bookstores. And it's just been a twist in my career anyone who has a story to tell, like you, Adrian, and others, you can write a book. And if you're writing it to become the next Stephen King or the next Daniel Steele, well, I can't help you with that. But if you're writing it to tell your story and to maybe help a few people, it's like your podcast. Someone will listen to this, they'll take something away from it. But some people would prefer to sit you know, behind the scenes and write their book and share it with others. And you never know, because somebody came to a book signing I was doing two weekends ago and said, she read my book. She heard me talking about how I got started. And now she's thinking about, seriously thinking about writing a book 
and I hooked her up and connected her with Michelle. And I'm hoping that she gets the little bit of background training, which is helpful, and that she can tell her story, which is a personal story. It's very interesting. Let me just say, Susan, the entire time you were talking about the story, I'm envisioning a Hallmark movie, which is a good thing because I love Hallmark movies. That's pretty much the only type of movies I watch. I am ready to read this book. But here's the thing that I never quite got from you. What is the name of your book? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Crystal Lake Inn. Crystal Lake Inn. Crystal Lake Inn. Oh. And yeah, the series is called, the series is Crystal Lake. So if you look on Amazon, you'll see Crystal Lake Inn is book one in the Crystal Lake series. Um, yeah. And it's just the, the picture uh, on the front is a wicker rocking chair on a front porch. Okay. And the book all talks, uh, mentions coffee. So in part of my author bio, it says that there will be coffee mentioned in each of my books because I'm thoroughly a big coffee drinker. Um, I try not to overdo it, but I enjoy a, the experience mm -hmm. of a great cup of coffee. And people know that if you don't find me in my office, you'll find me right out on my front porch in a rocker, probably with a cup of coffee and a good book. So yes, Crystal Lake Inn. Oh, Thank you for asking. Oh no, I had to. I said I haven't heard the name yet. I can see the book, but my listeners cannot see the book. <laughs> Therefore, they need to know what the name of your book is. You've moved from banking to mentoring to authoring, and I'm sure there's something else. But I love it, Susan, because you're kind of like me. We're we're trying all sorts of things. And I mentioned this to you before that the world has so much to offer and we should just embrace it. As long as it's legal and safe, why not try it? What is it going to hurt? But just listening to you and your description of the book writing process, it kind of encourages me to dip my toe into book writing. But I have a book, but really it was just a compilation of activities that I did with my, my husband and I did with our grandkids. It wasn't really meant to be a bestseller or anything. It was really just something to capture memories. But I'm kind of thinking, hey, maybe I should look into writing a different type of book. There's so much to do. You know, there is so much to do. And when I started working back in the day, it was you work for someone and you keep working for that person and you're tied to them. And I worked for the same company, the same bank for over 20 years. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to do something a little different in banking. And my son said to me, mom, you always talk about why you need to stay where you're at. Why don't you talk about why you should move on and do something different? Yeah. And that started me on, just opened the world to me. Um, I spent a lot of time, actually, my husband and I were fortunate enough to live in the UK for a couple of years. We took that leap with yeah. my employer. Um, and then I went to work for a digital bank, which is what do I know about the internet? I'm digital. I don't know a lot, but I can learn. Yeah. Um, and then everything I've done since then. And I feel like, I guess I've done a lot in my life and I've enjoyed that. And I want to encourage other women to tip their toe, as you said, into something else. If you have to work and you have a good job and you're getting paid good, then stay there. But there is such a world out there of other things you can do 
along the way to prepare yourself for not everybody has to work till they're 65. I didn't. I retired a little early. And I know other women who are going to retire a little early and they're going to do other things so that one day they don't look back and say, I wish I could have, would have, should have. They have done it. And that's how I feel. I feel like, I, I mean, I have no regrets. Excellent. That, that's beautiful. And that's how we should live. We don't want to have regrets, especially when you think, why am I regretting it? Just go ahead and try it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Move exactly. on to the next thing. No problem. I was going to ask you to share a bit of wisdom, but I believe you just did that. <laughs> Would you be able to share with me a story of what being a woman of awe actually means to you? I feel like when I, you know, I looked at your website and I, and I looked at, you know, the definitions you put behind those letters. And I feel like when you're a woman, you have this unique opportunity to stand up and to do something a little different and to push the envelope and not to just do the tried and true that our mothers did before us. And thank goodness for our mothers, um, but I am, I am definitely not the same role model uh, as my mother was. I have a younger sister who is more like my mother, um, but I feel like as professional women, it's not only to push the envelope and see how far we can move the needle, but it's to not only bring others with us, but invite them, right? Invite others to join us where we're at and to allow them to see that there is such a different world out there. And being a woman that takes action, gets things done, take, you know, is, has the experiences that they share with others, um, I think is so critical to more and more women moving up the ranks and having more and more women on boards um, and the numbers have been really low and there's organizations working on that. And I've participated in some of their conferences, but to get more than two or three women in a boardroom and to get more than you know 10 or 20% diversity in a boardroom, I think a part of that is all of our responsibilities. And I have been trying to do my part in pushing that agenda forward and making sure that those women who come after us don't have to work as hard as we did to get to the same level. Well, thank you, Susan. I think your work in that direction is going to be beneficial to all of us, not just women, but just the, you know, the world in general. It helps to have diversity. I think we get the best of everything when we have input from various perspectives. Exactly. But thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I can't wait for my listeners to hear about you and what you've accomplished. But before I let you go, can you tell me how can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a couple, two websites. One is for the consulting, which is swgreenconsulting.com. Right. And then I have my book website, which is booksbysusanwgreen.com. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn and I have a Facebook readers group. So if you'd like to see what's happening uh, on a weekly basis with Crystal Lake and Crystal Lake Inn, uh, you can go to uh, Susan W. Green readers page on Facebook. So I have to keep that W in there because there is another author, Susan Green. So I am Susan W. Green. You can find me in all of those places. So take a look at 
my website and if you and there's a contact form on both of those websites if you would like to reach out to me for any reason please feel free to do so okay thank you can you i'm sorry i wanted you to repeat your consulting website please sw green consulting and that's green just like the color swgreenconsulting.com okay great fantastic susan do you have anything left that you would like to share I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing with the podcast there. If, you know, if people have not taken the time to listen to a few of the podcasts, they should, you have interviewed remarkable women who are, who are changing the trajectory of where we're headed and how fast we're going to get there and how fast those coming behind us are going to get there. So just wanted to say thank you for that. And thank you for having me today. Well, thank you very much, Susan, and feel free to share the podcast with your friends. I enjoy the podcast. It's just been just a passion of mine to do it, and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to do it. I'll be keeping tabs on what you're up to. I'm looking forward to the next two books, <laughs> and good luck to you. Much success. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me on the Women of All Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of awe or know someone who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email, womenofawe at adriandillard.com, or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by subscribing and leaving a review.